Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Welcome back to Business Unfiltered. I'm Jeff Sauer and joined as always by Mercer. And today we're going to be talking about hacks for getting your time back. This one's all about giving yourself some time as we start the new year. And so with that, I'm going to hand it over to Mercer and we're going to talk about this idea of hacks for getting your time back. When you see that, do you think that it's, you know, gaming a system? What do you think about what we're doing here with hacks for getting your time back? Good question. So I think in, in my case, it's about efficiency. That's how I'm thinking about it. It's like, how can I be more efficient, get more done in less time, uh, make sure I'm spending the right amount, right, doing the right things with my time, you know, is kind of another way to think about that. How about you? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, efficiency and then being in your zone of genius is something that comes to mind yeah. for me is like, you know, why do you, why are you trying to get your time back? Is it because you're overscheduled? Is it because you're too busy? Is it because you're too ambitious? You have too many things that you want to do. Like, why would you need to hack getting your time back? Do you, is it, is it really a lack of time? So I would assume that we all agree or that most of us agree that time is like our most scarce resource. We never get it back. You've probably heard that before, right? Like time is your most scarce resource. And every day you get older, you'll never get that time. You'll never be that age again, any of those things. And so, um, for a lot of people in order to have the maximize your time, right. Or to have time back to do other things, you do need to form a system or even game a system to get there. And so, yeah, that's, that's for me. It's, it, I like what you said about efficiency, but it's really more of maximizing potential. Um, so yeah, let, with that out of the way, I think we've defined it pretty well. Do you have any strategies or, or yeah, anything around how you've gotten to that point? Do you feel like you have control of your time? Do you feel like you are in control? Yeah, to some extent. Um, I think it's always, a you know, I, I would never be like, oh, I've arrived. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like that. Like, I've reached the top of the mountain and there's nothing better to do. But I have I have improved that over time. Um, one thing that I'm planning to do, obviously, because it's the beginning part of the year, um, is, and I think just a really good time for that, is to kind of do a mental reset. Um, and I started doing a little of this in December. Uh, but the idea was everything that I've been doing doesn't necessarily just because I did it this year, even if it was the right stuff for this year, for my role in the organization, doesn't necessarily mean next year, that's going to be the same thing. So it's looking at all the tasks, right? That you kind of mentioned, like making sure that you're working on the right stuff and listing out all the different things that I do, uh, or, or I'm, or I'm connected to, all right, what I'm spending my time on and looking at those tasks and saying, okay, are these the things that I should still be working on? Or is there somebody else that can take this over? You know? So I'm doing that. Um, in addition to trying to figure out other ways to sort of hack efficiency in that when I do work on the stuff that I'm supposed to do, how do I get up and running faster so I can get these things done quicker? Um, you know, so we're working on some momentum plays too, that we can kind of chat about. Uh, but the first thing for me is definitely listing out all those tasks and just having that annual conversation with myself of just because I did this last year, doesn't mean I have to do it again this year. Should I do this next, this coming year? Should I still be doing this or should this be in somebody else's, right? Or even, or even should I transition this this year, right? So you can kind of come up with those, those sort of plans. That's my first step, um, you know, and then we can go into some other, I, I have a really good one I want to talk to you about later on the you know, okay. building momentum on that, but that's, that for sure is the first step. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. It's some kind of reflection or introspection into how you spent your time. So a time audit, we've talked about that in previous episodes. I think yeah. I showed you a hack after one of them where you can look at your Gmail 
or your Google Calendar. And if you classify things, you can see how much time you spent in the meta tasks you were doing. And that's a really big one for me is just to sort of see how am I spending my time? Am I, is it managing people? Is it on pointless Zoom calls that could have been a Slack message? Is it, you know, is it giving the details for the fifth time? Or is it moving the business forward? Is it doing business development? Is it doing production? Is What is it, right? So it's funny, I do, I, every quarter or so, I do a time audit and a happiness audit for where I'm at in the business. And I, I did one in Q4 of the year um, around Thanksgiving because I had some time to think. And and I was also listening to a book at the same time called uh, 10X is Easier Than 2X by Dan Sullivan. It's mm, one of his latest it's books. It's a great book. Yeah. So good. And um, and this this thing just hit me like a ton of bricks where he's talking about the idea of are you a like let's call it a creator schedule versus a manager's schedule or like, you know, are you are what's your schedule? Now there's an article that I'm looking at right now by Paul Graham from 2009. It's maker's schedule, manager's schedule. So let's just talk about this idea of somebody who creates versus somebody who manages. And what I realized is that I had suddenly in Q3 of the year had gone from having a, you know, somewhat of a balance between a maker's schedule and a, and a little bit of management to having way more management on my calendar, like management, meaning team meetings, um, mm-hmm. individual team check-ins, stuff like that. I went from having maybe two of those a week at random times just to check in as needed. to I had about 10 hours of meetings on my calendar every week and it was killing me. Those, those meetings, you know, basically getting a manager schedule killed all the momentum on everything else. I was reacting to other people's needs, not being proactive, right? And I, and I realized that I had this manager schedule and it was really getting me depressed and I wasn't feeling very productive. I wasn't in my zone yeah. of genius because I had a manager schedule, not a maker schedule. And what I was realizing, and, and this is something touching on what you're talking about as well, is that at some point you need to manage some point you don't. Right. Um, but, but I, you know, basically the, the, the thing that I realized is that I needed to have more strategic time and less management time. And if people couldn't manage themselves or if there was no management aspect of the team, then I had the wrong structure in place. Like if I'm having to spend all my time managing, then either I have the wrong people who aren't self-managing or I needed to hire somebody you know, assuming that the books would allow that to happen, or I needed to make some kind of change, right? So, yeah. um, and what I've what I've come to the conclusion is that you know a small business like which which my business is needs to really replace and just just think about how the connections are, right? So I, I in my profit pillars program we have this thing called the production pyramid, and it's like you have tactical people, that's what you replace first, then you replace management, then you replace strategic. Now, mm-hmm. what that simple picture doesn't really show you and what any of these things about productivity don't show you is that if you're going to be strategic, you might actually be better off not having any management whatsoever. You might be better off having self-managing tactical people or something like that at a certain size of business. So I might have gotten it wrong in saying that you need the management layer at all. Maybe a management can be done through a system like you do really well, Mercer. Um, maybe a management can be done through the way you hire people, like you hire them on gig sites and they know what they need to do. Maybe it's discrete projects. Maybe these are the ways that you can handle management. So um, I've been rethinking the idea of management and how it works and just how it, how it all comes together and realizing that maybe you don't need that much overhead for a business because honestly, the more management I did, the more it took me away from things that made us money. 
Well, look at, look at what happens with corporations, right? What's yeah. one of the, they go through a recession. What's the first thing it does? Middle management gets cut and yeah. nobody notices, right? Because it's been yeah. bloat, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think that can happen in a small business. I think to your point, you need a management layer. It doesn't mean that you have to be the one doing that. There's multiple ways to get management in place. Exactly. And one of those is definitely systems. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, that makes a lot of sense. When, when you, when you were working on meetings, cause we went through this and I think I probably, I really noticed it was a problem specifically the meeting stuff, um, in 2023, like the middle part of 2023, where it was just like, holy cow, we're having another meeting about what? And it's not just, it wasn't just my stuff that I was involved in. I was seeing the team leads start to do it right where yeah. they, they needed to, to learn that lesson that I had learned a little bit of getting out some of the meetings I was personally in, but now they were creating meetings and there was a little bit of like, well, we did it last Tuesday at three o'clock. Okay. We're gonna do it every Tuesday at three o'clock now. And then it's every Wednesday at eight o'clock and every Thursday at five o'clock. And then it's just like 18 meetings going on. And, and of course the meetings, which is what's kind of curious about that mechanism, they create, they tend to create work. Um, but if all you're doing is meetings, all you're doing is creating more work and you'll have time to mm -hmm. actually get the work done. You know, and that's what was starting to happen a little bit. It was gumming itself up. So I was like, all right, let's figure this out. What we did, one, one massive switch we did is I, I first, uh, you know, we just made it a rule. Like you didn't have to have meetings for meetings sake. Like let's not do that. Right. Yes. Just, at least somebody should question occasionally. Should we be, is this thing still useful? It may have been a useful meeting at a one point. Doesn't mean it is today, right? So question that. I think it's a, it's a great time, new year to think about that stuff. But the other thing that we did in our meetings is we just made a very, very simple switch is we had the agendas, right? In the meetings um, and those, those agendas, we have must cover and nice to cover. Yeah. And that's it. And it's like, and it's got, here's the must cover stuff we have to do. The first thing that everybody does is when they start their meeting, they review the agenda. Here's the must covers. We have this, this, and this. Here are the nice covers. Everybody good. Or is there anything that needs to go last minute on there? And at that point, it's like, if you didn't put it on the agenda, you're not, it's not being talked about period. Right. Um, so there is no, no more of the, the wandering stuff that happened with meetings, you know, people just sort of, Oh, I got another idea. And then it goes down a tangent and yeah, you know, next thing you know, it's been three hours and you know, it's like all that sort of stuff it just eliminated that, um, by that system, which was good. Cause it helped us be a little more self-managed when it comes to meetings. Uh, that was one way, uh, that we got out of it. Have you, have you, did you, did you come in? Uh, for the meetings to say like, okay, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. Or like, how did you get kind of out of that? Cause it feels like tar, right? Meetings feel like, oh, you're not pushed into the tar pit and you're stuck and you're trying to get out of this. Yeah. And sometimes that's easy to say, but it's hard to do. And so tactically, like what were some stuff that you did to, Heck to sort yeah, of man. I think that. that meetings should be considered a controlled substance. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Eliminating it from your body, you go through withdrawal. It has addiction. Meetings are an addictive substance, man. It is man. so like, true. Yeah, meetings so are crazy. True. And yep. uh, honestly, I, as you were talking, I realized why I held meetings. So I think part of it is getting to the core of why are you doing this, right? Yeah. Meetings, they start out with good intent um, because they're, they're a threefer is what I'm going to say. Meetings allow you to manage somebody on a remote team. You can actually get in front of them and you can see that they're there. You can make sure that they're at, you know, if you're on a video meeting, you can see that they're at their environment. They're not mailing it in, you know? So, so that check-in yep. is sort of important. You want to make sure that this person is like somebody that you like, especially a salaried person, you know, you want to make sure that they're there, which is, you know, there's other ways to do it. Um, I'm not sure that I think it's a good idea, but it definitely happens right in a yep. small business. You definitely want to want to see somebody to make sure that they're not like in Vegas or whatever, not doing anything. You want to, you need some FaceTime. So meetings are a form of management slash FaceTime slash keeping tabs on people. It's also management of, you know, it is sometimes more efficient to have a call 
where you talk about the 20 things that need to be done and then they get put into a project management system versus one person putting them into your project management tool, one person looking at them back and forth, 50 messages, right? So sometimes, you know, like sometimes a meeting is a saving yourself of 50 Slack messages. It's like, let's just talk. Yeah. It's easier. Yeah, yeah, it's right? faster. <clears throat> sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes a meeting could have just been an email or whatever, you know, like there's the whole like, congratulations, you just survived a 15 minute meeting that could have been an email. Like, I know that's like the big corporate thing, you know? So sometimes it is, it's, it's the other way. Sometimes meetings are more efficient. Sometimes messages are more efficient. And actually that's some, that is an art to figure out, right? The default shouldn't be taking up an hour of everybody's time in order to save 15 minutes of discussing, right? But, but, yeah. but that is what happens, right? The other reason why I do meetings is because it's on the job training. Without having the ability, without being in an office, meetings are a form of on the job training that we take for granted. Like if you hire somebody into a role and they've never done it before, like a lot of, a lot of these roles people have never done before. Online businesses are relatively new. You don't have somebody who's been in online businesses for 50 years, like has been doing this forever, right? We are making the manual as we go along. We have small businesses. So I use it as a form of training, which can be a crutch. Like, hey, let's get on a call and I'll train you on this thing. Now, yeah. I think the big problem is the recurrence of it. That is really the time suck. It's, you, you know, it's one time you do it, the first hit, makes sense. It feels really good. And then you keep on trying to recreate that by every week doing that. And then by like the second or third week or the second or third month, it just gets to be chaos. Right. Yeah. So I think that meetings should, that recurring meetings probably are the thing that should be um, removed. So you had asked me like, what do I do about it? I've removed recurring meetings. That's, that's what I did Mercer. That's what I solved. Mm. I went from a meeting about this, a meeting to my product team, a meeting to my marketing team and a meeting for the whole team. And I consolidated that down into one single meeting. And it's just, you got to get it in there. You got to get it there. So it's one meeting and that's it. Um, anything else, it's only every two weeks if it's recurring. Um, some of the reasons why I got trapped into recurring meetings is just because of scheduling. Like I had people in, in, I have somebody in Malaysia. I have somebody in, in the West Coast, like Pacific time zone. I have people in Europe. So like I schedule it so that I can make sure that I don't get booked for other things at the time that they're available. So right, 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 right. I've totally um, done that. But it's yeah. all these good intentions that eventually became my dissatisfaction, my feeling like I'm not doing my thing. I'm not doing my zone of genius. And that's honestly like a manager has to make sacrifices, right? So I was making a lot of sacrifices in management when those sacrifices actually didn't really help the business in the way that I wanted it to. So I had to cut back on it. Yeah, I love that. I think the other the other tips that we'd had for meetings was we we were this is a couple of years back. We actually that's not true. It was like five years ago we started making this move. But we we had the problem with the big giant meetings, too many of those. So we flipped into headline calls, which are like 15 minute bursts. So what I'll do is I'll I'll start like typically in the morning, it'll start around 815 for me. And I'll have a 15 minute headline call with um, Julie, our director of measurement, where she's going through what the measurement team's doing. Then at 8.30, the bottom of the hour, I immediately go into the next call where the next person's waiting, different calls, right? With the next person that's, uh, you know, Rico who's handling all the ops. And she goes through all the ops and, and, and marketing automation and stuff that she needs for 15 minutes. Then we've got our daily touch, what we call the wins and blocks um, call, where it's like everybody from the team is on there. Mm -hmm. And that's 845 to nine, 15 minutes. Everyone goes, here's what my wind was from yesterday. And then here's what my blocks are. If there's, if there is any, and everyone's just kind of getting caught up and they can, Hey, quickly, Hey, where, where, what do I do for this? And then somebody's there to answer that question and get them moving. And those 15 minute um, meetings, even though it's technically a 45 minute period of my yep. time, but in those 15 minute things, I've got everything. It's like all the plates keep spinning, yeah. uh, which is kind of nice. And it forces everybody to be prepared. 
there's yeah. only 15 minutes, right? So everyone has to do a little bit of work and thinking ahead. And, and of course, each one of those calls has, a, has an agenda. So yeah. it's like, okay, anything on here that we're not, you know, because you only have 15 minutes, so you have to sort of think about it and pre-plan it. And it helps people be a little bit more efficient. The other thing I wanted okay. to sort of, um, you know, as we, as we move from meetings, because I think that could be a whole thing on itself. Like, how do you deal with meetings and, and businesses? But going back into that time hacking thing, one thing that I have found, and this is something for sure over the last, let's say, 90 days that I've been really playing around with is how things are assigned with whatever project management system you're using. We have our, we don't, you know, you know, this, like we talked about, I think it was episode 15 where we did project management mm -hmm. and we talked about how we don't think about it in project management as much as we do having a productivity reporting system, you know, that we built, but whatever you use, how you assign stuff, I have found to be super important. For example, if I say to myself, oh, I've got to, let's say I have to prepare podcast topics for this, right? And I assign that task and it's like, okay, prepare podcast topics. And, and that's what I would put. And then when I get it, I go, all right, I got to start preparing podcast topics. Let's get started. And it feels like I'm at a dead stop and I have to get things going, right? As opposed to prepare podcast topics. And then in there is a comment that says, for example, talk about, how to do better meetings or how to do this or how to do this. And it's just that extra 10 seconds of work. I call it the like the extra 30 seconds what I've been telling the team is like, it's 30 seconds of extra work. But when you do it at that time that you're assigning yourself that thing, your future self will thank you. Because yeah. now when I get that task back, it says prepare podcasts, for example, this, this, and this. Now I go, oh, I could do this, I could do this. Okay, now I'm already, I, in other words, the task came with momentum built in as opposed to stop, now you have to think about it. And I go, well, I don't have time to think about it. I'm going to do this other thing, right? And it, then things get delayed and pushed around. And I was causing problems from a time management perspective because I was delaying things that required, that didn't have momentum. They didn't come with momentum installed. So I had to install it. But if I did have something that did have a task that had momentum, I would just naturally do that one better, right? I would just, it would just, because I would get that one done. And then these other ones get delayed, which causes problems. So having that when in being aware in the moment that you're assigning something to your future self or to somebody else, having it so that it's got momentum installed is, you know, so when it's received, they've, it's already kind of moving them along um, was massive for us. Um, so for me in particular, now I'm teaching that technique to our team because um, I've seen them have similar problems by doing that same thing. I love it. That's, that's really brilliant. I, I've done something similar, but not in a, such a strategic way. I just stumbled upon it, right? So like, actually, as you were talking, I just wrote down a topic idea for one of our podcasts. So I was like, oh, yeah, you said how to conduct better meetings. So I took that note for you, and I put it in there. Now, now, when we're looking at topics, how to conduct better meetings, we can do a podcast on that, and we don't have to brainstorm. So exactly. just so everybody knows, this is episode number um, 36. And we started out with 20 topics, I think we did, Yeah. right? <laughs> And, and we've been adding topics as we've talked. Now we're at, um, we have another 30 topics below that, right? And that's, that's just awesome. things that organically yeah. came out of this by doing the system that Mercer's talking about. And so just taking what we, uh, something that, hey, Mercer said that, I'd like to expand that. I think we could do 30 minutes on that. Then I, we drop it into the sheet and then we get better, right? So, um, um, so and, and so there, that gets into the sheet. Although I see that the, the meeting one's already in there. So maybe I can delete that. But, but that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, I do the same thing with content creation. Like I'm in content creation, um, I found that I'm not very good at just creating something from scratch, but I'm really good at at spitting out 20 ideas. So how do you spit out 20 ideas without the effect of having to create a blank canvas? I I just whiteboard. 
I take like a mind map and I just put in like, here's the topic. And then I, and then I, you know, for our profit pillars, I, we have five pillars and I'm like, okay, well, what can I write about people? What's an experience I have with hiring, managing those types of things around people, five ideas. Like, you know, so I write down those ideas and then suddenly I put them into a spreadsheet and now I have my newsletter for the next year. Right. So one hour brainstorm, a 30 minute brainstorm on a whiteboard becomes an hour of topics. And then even better, when you're writing that in there, you add, add a little bit more notes. What was the intent of why I thought this was good? Because you won't have that magic later on. Right. Mm-hmm. So you write down the ideas and you get them going and then and then you batch produce them as well. You 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 know, I, I call it a riff. So I'll batch produce these things. So I'll I'll have, you know, so, so this is this is a this is a timeline for you. 30 minutes on a whiteboard, not even plus data entry into a spreadsheet equals 50 ideas, 50 ideas each get one paragraph of the intent of the idea. Then I, then I'll go for a walk and I'll riff on it. So I call it a riff and I'll just, I'll say my voice saying that story. It's not perfect. It's not really, you know, it's not expertly written, but I'll have take all the content that I have that was in that idea. I'll flesh it out, do five of them, you know, about three to five minutes each one. So a 30 minute walk, I'll get five ideas into a sheet. And then somebody else can take that, summarize it with AI, take the thoughts that are there, make it a little bit more cohesive, everything like that. And then suddenly I have a month worth of email newsletters from 30 minutes plus 30 minutes, right? And then the next, yeah. then I do thir- every 30 minute walk is a month of content. And that is a great time hack, right? Is, is using, is, is just understanding that if you said, I need to sit down and write a newsletter today, you're going to, you're not going to do it (laughs) or you're going to be like, or you're going to write about writer's block, right? Like that just, you know, but but if you can hack that way and in grease the skids, it makes so much more sense. And then if you can delegate, which is a major time hack, we haven't even gotten into yet. If you can delegate the process or the handing it over, you can, it's still your ideas, but you're not having, you know, you're, you're basically 80, 20 ing it. Right. So, um, in the book, buying back your time by Dan Martell, he calls it the 10, 80, 10 rule. And it's like 10% of the time is you sharing the idea or the process. 80% of the time is who you hand it over to executing on it. And then 10% of your time is you approving it and making sure that it fits your thing and then going out there. I'm definitely a 10, 80, 20 when it comes to content, when it comes to a lot of the things that I put out there as Jeff Sauer is a 10, 80, 20. And that is a huge time hack. Yeah, I love that. that. I, I, you know, it, it goes back to, I think the, what you were talking about when, in the very beginning, we talked about listing out the tasks, um, so that you could delegate, right? Cause I think that to some extent you need to measure where you are spending your time. And if you're not willing to do that, you automatically sort of restrict yourself as to how efficient you can be with your time, because you literally, you can't see where you spend your time. You have to see your system. So listing out those tasks and should I be the ones doing this? And then it does make a natural conversation for somebody else, right? From a delegation standpoint. Um, and I think if, depending upon the size of your company, you're making sure your team leads are doing that too, because they can't just take your overflow, right? They also have stu- already had full-time jobs. So you're going to have to help them to do the same thing with their team members as the, you know, the teams grow or skills improve, uh, you know, things along those lines. The other thing that was, it was curious because it, it was because you just mentioned it, but it was just kind of like a, an offhand comment, but just the idea that neither one of us started with, well, I'm going to use AI and automation to save my time. You know, it wasn't that, but that's because I personally think that's a tactic. It's a useful tool, just like meetings are a useful yeah. tool, but you can also wildly misuse meetings and ended up wasting a bunch of time. I think automation and AI, you could also do that. Yeah. Um, going down the rabbit hole, some of these things, you know, by the time you figure it out, turns out 18 other companies have already leapfrogged you and, and new tools are better and, and it changes so fast, but it's this, the strategy of 
how to think about time management and, and when you're coming to the hack of your time, that's what separates it out. Like you were saying, the idea of, okay, the strategy is we're going to list out all of our stuff where we're spending our time, ask myself, should I be doing this? And if the answer is no, then cool, who else in the company can do it, right? Or what else in the company can do it if you're yeah. going to out outsource it to a system or a vendor or something like that. Um, so I think that's where it goes. When you're, when you're like, do you do, is that on the quarterly basis? Are you, or is it just sort of like a, you know, kind of like when the, when the chicken's ready to come out of the egg, it pops out on its own timeline? Or do you sort of like do a quarterly thing where you're, where you're trying to do this delegation stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that I've, I've been pretty good this year about every quarter, not just like going off the grid or going somewhere where I'm not responsible for work and writing down either in a spreadsheet or on paper where things go. So I, like I, there's these little tiny houses that I went to in Q3 and just like sat there two nights just off the grid, like here, here's what my, here's what the world needs to be. Um, I'll do it on vacations, which is maybe not the most healthy thing to do, but I'll do that. So yeah, probably once a quarter I do that. It's not as, it's not like I have it marked off for the four quarters of, of 2024, what those are going to yeah. be, but that's where I want to get to. Right. Um, it's a little bit easier when it's just you, if you have a business partner, you have to plan around both of their schedules and their preferences and stuff like that. So it gets to be yeah. a little bit more challenging, but I, I would recommend that everybody spend at least one day a quarter where they're not focused on their business at all or in their business. They don't, they don't answer email. They don't look at anything and they just write down on paper or a whiteboard where, what makes them happy and what doesn't and what the yep. solution is. Cause that's usually where it comes to you. And um, yeah, that's definitely how, how it comes about. I like how you said strategy and tactics, right? A strategy is to do is to get, create your own data, right? To create your own data of what you spend your time doing. So tasks, right? And then a tactic is, how do you how do you do this faster? How do you the tactic is what is the current tactic du jour to do this better? That happens to be AI right now. There happens yeah. to be automation, and and it's probably going to be that way for a while. The old version of it was getting an intern, getting an assistant, right? Um, yeah. That was the old way of doing it. The middle ground way of doing it was um, Upwork, right? So there's there's you know there's certain, but but ultimately the tactic is take things that you shouldn't be doing that aren't uniquely you and have other people do them. <laughs> makes a lot of sense, right? So, so it, I mean, and that just boils down to spending money to make money, right? Investing in these things. Or the cool thing is with, with um, Upwork and, and with AI, you're actually spending money to save money too. So it, it makes yeah. you doubly profitable. You're not just saving money by, you're saving money by you not doing it because you're expensive. And then also um, because you're more efficient, you can make money off of it too. So it's a double whammy. It's, it's amazing, right? So um, yeah, that, that's definitely on the radar. Um, for me. Um, and, and that's yeah. how it came about is the quarterly, yeah, quarterly off the grid, writing down on paper with a pen or a pencil, whatever you're into, what you think the world should be. And then I do add some time for my own data capture. Like I have to capture my own data at the same time. Otherwise it will never happen. Right. So if I put something yeah. in a notebook and I don't look at it for a month, it's, it's waste wasted. But if I put that into a spreadsheet that same time and then get home and go on the internet and just upload it, that's how I have to do it. Yeah, have you yeah, ever done that? Do you do any quarterly yeah. retreats? I, or anything? I don't do quarterlies. I like the idea of it a lot. I do annuals though, where, yeah. for the same reason, just to get out. I take a week and I'll go somewhere in the cabin in the middle of the woods just to disconnect and yep. and be with your thoughts, right? Because it's like it's quiet and there's yeah. like you're in the eye of the storm now, so it's quiet. Um, that type of thing. So I, I think there's huge value to that. Something else that I started doing in December that I promised myself I would do in 2023, just never got around to it till the very end. Uh, but I'm definitely doing it in 2024 
that is where when you're doing the conferences, when you go to the mastermind groups or the business meetings or whatever else, when you're off site somewhere going to an event, uh, I have found those to be mentally very uh, useful because you're getting all these different ideas. You're in this mindset where all the other people around you are in this exact same mindset. And it seems to be like this protected cocoon to some extent. So you naturally start coming up with a bunch of ideas, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, two things I started doing on that. One is taking how I took notes at those things was very different. Instead of just sort of writing down stuff, I have a, a sheet that's just like, these are the actual ideas. And then yep. there's another sheet that's like, here are the notes, right? In details. But I sort of just have these ideas. And if it's something I take action on, I'll put it there. The other thing I started doing is staying an extra day yeah. at the event, at the hotel or whatever, because the event's over, right? So it's not like the, it's expanded, but I'll stay an extra day there so I can use that for momentum and be like, okay, yep. instead of hitting the ground running and going back to the office the next day, and then everything goes to all those ideas just get lost, right? Because you just hit the ground running and it's, and it's too much. Um, so taking a day and it's kind of goes into that little idea of, you know, the quarterly meetings, just, hey, if you're going to an event or something like that, a good hack, take a day. Add it, add it to your bill, right? And it gets, yes, it's extra expense, but I think it's worth it because you have that private cocooned time yep. that you're still in the mindset. You're not quite back in the office yet. You still have, you're anchored to all the things, right? So that you've got, you're, you're in that different mindset and then you can actually start taking action, get it into your system, your project management system or something like that to get momentum on those ideas. You yeah. know, because a lot of the times there's, there, we all have incredible ideas that would have done immense things for our business that we totally forgot about on the plane you know, on the way back. Yeah. And it was like, that's the sort of stuff that I'm trying to to capture with that concept kind of going back to what I was talking about in the middle of this, that, that idea of momentum. How do yeah. I get it so that when we see it come through the system, it's already got momentum pre-installed. And so now it's just, it's already a plate that's kind of spinning and it's, we got the hard part done, you know, and then we can uh, grow it out. So that was kind of thing. Um, any other final thoughts that, that you've got as you kind of wrap it up here on this time? No, I love that what you're talking about staying an extra day. So I, I have to have an, have an anecdote that I have to share. So my wife recommends the same thing after going to Las Vegas. So you don't you don't fly back from Vegas after doing the the Vegas stuff. You actually get do a spa day at the end. And so that was a hack for us where we would come back <laughs> from Vegas refreshed where everybody else was so frazzled, right? Um, so that's, that's awesome. a good idea too, a spa day afterwards or just going, yeah, sitting in the spa thinking, right? No technology is a great way to go. Um, overall, you know, I, I actually had this written down. So maybe this is something else that we can do if we haven't done an episode on it yet. But I, I had spending money on there as like the ultimate time hack. That's sort of where I thought that this was going to be going is just like spend yeah. money. Um, we didn't it's really true. get into it at all. He's somebody like, or someone else. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. so I like yep. that though. Like, I, th I think that maybe an up a future episode we'll talk more about that. You know, um, financial runways, spending money, stuff like that. So we'll just leave that on the on the tables. Leave some meat on the bone with this one. So I thought this is really cool. Again, I didn't really know the direction. I was talking more about not being a manager is my main hack, which I did not expect. But I think that it is something that it will hit some people the right way. It's like, yeah, maybe maybe that is a hack for me at my stage of where I'm at in my business. And, and there's other things there, too. So um, so we're going to end this episode and just say thank you for listening. And of course, thank you for sharing. I do get ta people talk to me all the time. Like, I love the podcast. I talked to a guy last week, uh, my friend Doug Hall, and he said, I love the podcast. You and Mercer are great. Um, you know, he said it in a very British way. He's a British guy. And um, he's like, keep on going. And I was like, that's the type of stuff that really helps me out because you just don't know whether people are listening or not. We know people are listening because you tell us. So tell us that you like this thing. But even better, tell people on the Internet that you like it too. go to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Say that you like this thing and we keep on going because um, this is this is what keeps us going. So thank you for listening to Business Unfiltered. 
Thank you for sharing, and we will see you on our next episode. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered, always unapologetically honest.